Welcome to the Andy Griffin Show. Wake up! With your chance to sound off, give your opinion, and tell us your thoughts. It's on. It's now. It's here. It's the Andy Griffin Show on News Radio 890. 92.5. KDXU, Southern Utah's News Talk Leader. Welcome to the program. I'm Andy. Thank you. 908, almost 909 on a gorgeous Friday morning. Gorgeous if you like hot and humid and a little bit windy. And I have so much to talk about today. So much. Uh, and uh, we'll, uh, of course, take your phone calls today on the program. 673-5890. So 435-673-5890. That's your 890 hotline here on KDXU. Uh, start with last night. Last night I got, <laughs> so, okay. Uh, I was reading a study about sleep and, uh, generally speaking, people who get up early, go to bed early and people who are able to get up late, uh, stay up late. I mean, it's logical, right? And, and we're all trying to shoot for that magic eight or seven anyway, uh, hours of sleep. And of course, uh, most of you know, I come in here very, very early. You usually try to get in studio here about 5 a.m., uh, which means, though, if if I get up in the 4 o'clock hour sometimes, sometimes 4.15, 4.30, 4.45, right in there, depending on what, you know, what all is going on, uh, that means I've got to, if I were to get eight hours, I'd have to go to bed before 10 o'clock, uh, well before 10 o'clock, and, <laughs> and don't do that. Uh, and occasionally... We schedule a social event, um, and you know, and last night was uh, one of those situations. Had a, went a, du- a double date with my buddy and his wife, my wife and I, and we went out to Tuacon to see. Uh, speaking of buddy, see buddy, the Buddy Holly story. And before I finish my story, let me mention this: great play if you get a chance to go see the Buddy Holly story out at Tuacon indoors. By the way, not outside, indoors in the air-conditioned theater. Uh, I highly recommend it. I really enjoyed it. Uh, the talent on stage was phenomenal. I would say, if last to me, last year's Million Dollar Quartet was a ten out of ten. I would say the Buddy Holly story probably eight and a half or nine. It's close. It's very very good. Uh, so if you get a chance to go, and by the way, I've got a ticket right here, a pair of tickets right here, going to give away here in a bit. Uh, if you get a chance to go, uh, go. It's it's worth it. Uh, the only issue I had was uh, didn't get home till maybe quarter to 11, something like that. And when you have to get up... <laughs> Before the crack of dawn, that's that's a hard thing. So, uh, yeah, I'm running on fumes this morning. We're gonna we're gonna. I got maybe three hours of work after I get off the air, but uh, we're gonna we're gonna work on adrenaline and caffeine. Mountain Dew is my poison of choice, uh, and and make it through all of this. But I really appreciate you tuning in today. Like I said, the play was great. If you got a chance to go, in fact, let's do this. Um, let's give away. Uh, let's give, you know, I'm going to wait till the commercial break here in a, in a couple of minutes, so don't call yet. Uh, but uh, I've got a couple of spots at the Buddy Holly story. Uh, I have, uh, I think, three more of these. They're, they're good for two tickets each, uh, but they have to be used. The, the, the thing closes in two weeks. 
the play closes in a couple of weeks. So you you got to use them by July 28th. But, uh, yeah, I've got uh, some tickets to give away. Um, but uh, I had a good time, had uh, little Angelicas for dinner, and then over to the theater and got a little popcorn and licorice for the, <laughs> for the theater. And uh, it, was, it was a good time. Um, I was amazed at uh, the amount of people who, now, spoiler alert, if you're going to go see the plane, you don't know anything about Buddy Holly, uh, then you're probably going to want to turn your radio down or maybe play some music for a minute or something, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you something that, be honest, I thought everybody knew, but apparently they don't. Uh, Buddy Holly, Richie Valens, and the Big Bopper were all killed in a plane crash uh, in 1959. When they so so the the play is about the life of Buddy Holly, more specifically the three years from fifty six to fifty nine, in his life when he became a, a star. Uh, but and I was wondering because it was common. I mean, this is a real story. This is you know maybe somewhat fictionalized, but a, but a true story. So I, I was really wondering as I'm sitting in this play how they were going to handle. The plane crash, the death of this guy, because this is one of those plays like Million Dollar Quartet last year where the the it's a play, quote unquote play, but it's really a rock concert with a few words in between. I mean, it has a story, but uh, the real the real treat is the music and and, you know, in this case, rock and roll with Buddy Holly and even, uh, you know, Richie Valens. And there was a little bit of country to start with because Buddy Holly is from Lubbock, Texas, and they wanted him to be a country singer, which he didn't want. But uh, but uh, anyway, the the uh, plane crash at the end, I, I didn't know how they were going to handle it. I don't know if they were going to try to simulate it, if they were going to just talk about it, if they were going to. And, and the last 20 minutes maybe of the concert are, uh, or of the play are his final concert in Clear Lake, Iowa. And, uh, and Big Bopper and Richie Valens were there. They were on tour. They basically, they had gotten an airplane, chartered a small plane so that they could go ahead to the next area and get it ready for their next concert. They were kind of tired of riding buses. It was middle of winter. It was cold and snowy. And anyway, um, I thought the way that it was handled was amazing. They basically, they gave the concert, they hit the final stream of the concert, and then everybody froze and the lights went from colorful and, and bright to kind of a black and white subdued, darker color. And uh, But I was amazed as the announcer, the, or the, the narrator, talked about what happened that because because there's a buildup they talk about them getting the plane and they talk they need to be on the plane by a certain time and they got to finish their concert and they got to do all this stuff richie valens who by the way was only 17 years old uh traded with a guy flipped a coin and traded with a guy so he could have his seat on the plane because they only had uh, four seats anyway i was shocked at how many people didn't know the story and how many people you know when when the announcer the narrator said uh, on whatever the date was, 1959, uh, the pilot, Richie, Big Bopper, and Buddy were all killed in a plane crash. There was this audible <gasps> in, in, the, in the crowd, like people didn't know. Now, if the crowd had been a bunch of 20-somethings, I could understand that, right? Because, you know, I mean, this happened in 1959. How long ago? Was it 40, 63 years ago. 
but I'm, and I wasn't even born yet when it happened, but I was familiar, very familiar with the story and, and what happened. And, you know, I mean, there, there's a song, American Pie by Don McLean was written about the day the music died, you know, and, and I, I was, and I'm not laughing at people for not knowing, but I was really surprised at, at, uh, at people not knowing. And, you know, when I was talking to my wife in intermission before this all happened, and I, I, I was kind of like, hey, how do you think they handled the, handled the plane crash coming up? And she's like, what are you talking about? She didn't know either. And uh, I said, well, honey, <laughs> you're probably only one, one of out of, you know, maybe three or four of you in the whole theater that don't know that, you know, that there was a plane crash and that these three guys, three, three artists died very young. In, in what was really the prime of their career. And uh, she, she, she didn't know. And, and uh, as it turned out, she wasn't one of three or four people in the theater. I would say 40% of the theater, uh, 40% of the people in the theater were shocked when they announced that, you know, those, those guys died in a plane crash. I was, I was really surprised. I don't know that I can necessarily glean anything from this. It doesn't mean anything in the in the grand scheme of life, but I, I can tell you, I was I was a little surprised. I thought everybody knew about the uh, day that the music died. Hmm. All right. Uh, so anyway, Buddy Holly story. I'm going to give away a couple of tickets here in probably in the next ten minutes or so. Um. So uh, stay tuned. Give you give you a chance to go for free. Uh, and believe me, like I said, it was really good. It was well worth it. All right. If I were to ask you a question, uh, the answer seemingly would be easy or, you know, you probably know the answer, but you, you would be wrong. Probably. The question is this, is it cheaper to buy a house in Las Vegas or in St. George? Henderson or St. George? Uh, you know, Tropicana <laughs> or St. George. Well, it used to be in the 90s, in the early 2000s, it was no contest. It was way more expensive to buy a house in Las Vegas. And then things started to turn. And then COVID happened and things really turned fast and really went uh, through the roof fast. I'm going to read you some numbers here. And... uh you know, if you're concerned about your kids being able to live here, well, you should be. If you're concerned about uh, if you don't own a home ever being able to own one here, you should be. If you own a house and all this equity suddenly came to you, maybe you sh shouldn't be concerned. You should be happy. But except if you ever try to move in town, you know, move across town, it, that ain't going to work for you. But uh, here, here's the numbers. The median list price for a house in St. George, Utah, median, that means they take all the houses that sold in the month of June, uh, and you, you know, you got the high end, you got the low end, instead of averaging, because the high ones tend to skew it up a little bit, they just take the, you know, say there were uh, 100 houses sold, I don't know the number, but say there were, they would take the number 50 or the number 51 right in there. And that's your median price. The median list price in St. George is six forty nine four hundred. Six hundred forty nine thousand four hundred dollars. That's the median price. That's not being skewed up because there's one house that sold for nine million. 
Now, that's the median price. It's unbelievable. The median per square foot price in St. George is nearly $300 a square foot, two ninety six. When we were looking, I think it was two houses ago, uh, if, I, if a house was over $100 a square foot, my wife and I would be like, nah, we'll keep looking. We want to get something that's like 96 a square foot. Or maybe if it is over, it's barely 101 or 104 or something a square foot. But now the median list price per square foot in St. George is $296. That means if you have a, say, 3,000 square foot house, which is not huge. It's big, but it's not huge. Uh, that's a $900,000 house. Of course, there's obviously variables and what's inside the house, what's outside the house, et cetera, et cetera. But the numbers are mind-blowing. And then you look at Las Vegas now. The average median list price of homes, and I understand Vegas has some inner-city, you know, cheaper houses, some slums. But still, the median, not the average, but the median price of a house in Las Vegas, Nevada, is $430,000. Now, when you compare the two, it's it's like wait what, four hundred thirty thousand to six forty nine, two hundred and two hundred nineteen thousand four hundred dollars more per house in St. George rather than Las Vegas. Really? Wow. The the uh, median square foot price in Las Vegas is $252. That's uh, $44 less per square foot for a house in Las Vegas than for a house in St. George. I just, the, these numbers, I, I got looking into it because there's an article on Deseret News about the housing market and how things are changing and the prices are actually going to go down a little now. Not a lot, but down a little uh, in the state of Utah. Uh, houses aren't selling as many. A lot, there's a lot fewer transactions, and uh, houses aren't selling. Uh, prices are going down. Prices are, in fact, most most sellers are putting their are trying to put their house on for what it was just four months ago, six months ago, and they're having to almost immediately reduce it because they're getting nothing. They're getting no. No visitors, no tours, no interest, no clicks. Uh, and uh, but but for it to be that big, like like that, St. George is slightly more expensive than Las Vegas. It would be slightly more expensive. It wouldn't surprise me at all if the median price in Vegas was say four eighty, and the median price in in St. George is four ninety. I'd be like, yeah, well, okay, or five hundred. Yeah, I mean, it's not. I don't like it, but that's the way it is. But to have the discrepancy be as huge as it is, is troubling. 296 a square foot for a house in St. George, Utah. 650 grand for a house in St. George, Utah. You know, and, and those of us that have been here a while that have owned, you know, owned a house, ridden it through what, what we've gone through, hey, you know, we're happy. I have... I mean, we put a lot down on our house anyway, but then when the prices went crazy, we have a ton of equity in our house. I'm happy for that, but I'm not happy when I think about that my my kids, my three sons who are all married, starting families, will probably never come back here. They can't afford it. Maybe they can go to Vegas, but that's not a good answer. Then you got to drive through the gorge to see them, but I don't know. I don't know. It's uh, The numbers are really mind-blowing to me. 
All right, a couple of other things. Actually, let's let's let Seth on. Seth has been patient. Seth, how are you today? Uh, let's talk about sleeping for a moment, and then I, we'll go to houses. Okay, I'm going to bow my head in 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 shame because I have not been sleeping very much lately, and uh, I hope you're going to take me to task, Seth. Um, no, we're just going to talk about how people used to live. When the sun came up, or a little before, they got up. Yeah. When the sun went down, they went to bed. Yeah, that's the way animals do it, for the most part, right? Well, it seems to work for them, and I think it worked for humanity, but the cell phone that I'm using, this computer that I'm sitting in front of, this two or three TV screens in here, Mm. wow, these are, wow, incredible (laughs) Uh, devices to keep us from sleeping. Yeah, and and they work. And the plays that I go to and, and the amount of entertainment out there, uh, you're absolutely right. Absolutely. And so I think we need to sort of try to get back to basics, turn these things off. Apparently, the blue light in every device that we need activates our pineal gland and says, it's morning. Wake up. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Uh, so, uh, and I think there's filters and things that you can put on, and I think there's settings that you can use that contain less blue light. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's even glasses you can wear that help block it, too. Blue blockers. Yeah. yeah. You see yeah, the people who do that. And I think maybe we need to pay attention to that uh, instead of continually entertaining ourselves. Get outside, sleep under the stars, uh, turn the lights off. Uh, uh, Everybody that's running around, I think, uh, myself included, are sleep deprived. You're right. You're absolutely right. And, and, you know, Dr. Blodgett or any doctor will tell you, if you're not getting enough sleep, Seth, then you are damaging so many different systems in your body because your body needs the sleep to recover. It does. And uh, when they torture people without pulling their fingers and stuff off, (laughs) they deprive them of sleep. And in just a few uh, days, that person is almost uh, mentally ill. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And so uh, it, we need to uh, divorce ourselves from the addictions we've grown up living with and try to to do things in a more natural way. Uh, a quick let's story. Sw- let's switch from that. In Houston, Texas, I bought my first house a thousand years ago. Mm-hmm. One-car garage, uh, three-bedroom, brick, air-conditioned, nice backyard, fence, nice front yard, subdivision kind of thing. Tell me what the price was. Well, give, me, give me a year, and I'll, I'll take a guess. What year was it? 1970. Oh, probably 25000 maybe thirty. Seventeen five. Oh, nice. You can't get a car for that nowadays, you know that? <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, oh, man. Uh, I went back many years later, and there was a for sale sign and the palm trees I planted and uh, 
that had taken over the palm trees were bigger than the house. Uh, I noticed the AC was vibrating, indicating it was about to crap out. The shingles were falling off the roof, um, and they wanted 300000 Wow. Wow. Okay? Same house for seventeen five. Same house. Now, the house didn't change. The cost of the material didn't change. The rotten Federal Reserve note and the value of money is what made that house go to 300000 mm. mm. And that's what's going on. Uh, by the way, if you want to buy concrete up in Central, nobody wants to deliver it to you because it costs too much money to drive it up the road and spend an hour on the road getting it here. Yeah. So you just don't fill the contract. And the gasoline and the price, once again, gasoline has probably gone down in price because it's easier to make, it's easier to transport, and yet we're paying, in my case, for diesel fuel to run my vehicle, um, five and six bucks, depending upon where you are. Yeah. By the way, Seth, I drove through your town uh, last week. Uh, my sister got married in Pine Valley, so I don't, I don't know where your house is, but I was in the neighborhood anyway. Well, I'm up on the west side. I'm one of the highest houses on the west side. Oh. So that's why you get so much snow, huh? <laughs> yes, and wind, and uh, I love the wind and stuff, but we need to sort of blame the appropriate cul- uh, culprit, and that's the Federal Reserve, and that's the monetary system that's about to crash. Okay. If you don't have real assets, and if you don't take care of yourself, the next six months are going to be pretty traumatic for you. All right, Seth, I got got people on hold, but uh, I hope it's not too traumatic. I don't have very good health right now, and I'm not getting enough sleep, but I do have a house and some cars that are paid off. So hopefully I have a little bit of assets, and I have that gold-backed dollar that Seth brought me. Let's go to line two. Hey, thanks for calling in today. What's on your mind? Hi. um, Are you talking to me? Yeah, yeah. Can you do me a favor and call me right back? I think we're a little bit distorted, but I'd sure love to have you on the air. So call me right back, okay? 931 on KDX. We're going to go to a weather break unless I can get him to call me right back. Hopefully he calls me right back. But uh, it's hard to believe. Oh, there he is. He's calling right back. All right, yeah, you're on the air. Hey, thank you for calling right back. What's on your mind this morning? Uh, My wife and I moved here uh, about uh, seven years ago, and we bought a decently priced house. We live in Hurricane, mm-hmm. but and we're look we're looking to upgrade. But the house prices, you know, I agree with what you're saying, but it's not just St. George; it's, it's all of Washington County, uh, Hurricane, Santa Clara, um, everywhere is just getting crazy. So you work here in the area, and and uh, you'd like? Did you say you'd like to re- relocate or upgrade a little bit? Uh, well, I'm retired. My okay. wife and I moved here about seven years ago. We bought a house, but we wanted to upgrade to a better house. Mm-hmm. And uh, but um, we just couldn't believe what the housing prices went for. So we actually um, bought a house in uh, Vernal, and we got a, a five-bedroom 
two and a half bath house on an acre of land. Yeah. And we paid about four four hundred twenty thousand for that. Wow. Wow. And can you imagine what the cost of that would be in this area? Probably one point two million. <laughs> it seems, right. Seems like man, oh man. Well, the only bad thing about it is that that house up there is it is in Vernal, and that's a long way in a very cold place. But uh, yeah, it is, but not not any windier than Hurricane. That's true. That's true. It's a little colder wind. That's all. Well, I yeah. you know I, did did you when when you were looking did you look in the outline did you look out in Central did you look out in in Tokerville in places like that has that is the problem the same in those places? Um. Not almost, almost. We um, we kind of looked in Tokerville, but uh, didn't want to go that much out of the way. We like a little bit of convenience in terms of shopping. Yeah, and understandable. Just, yep. A little bit out of the way for us. So we were trying to stay around the um, more um, uh, inhabited um, area. Yeah. So does that mean you're leaving the area? You're going to Vernal, or is that uh, just a second house? No. Oh, no. We don't want two houses. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> uh, it's sad going, to have you we're leave. Going to be moving, we're going to be moving to Vernal probably uh, next month and um, put our the house that we have here uh, for sale. But um, the, the amount, we paid a really decent price for it when we bought it. So, uh, you know, we're going to, even with a good profit, it's still not going to be in a, a really expensive house for our area. Mm. Well, it's, it's sad that you're leaving. We, we, don't, we don't like to see anybody leave, and uh, I'm sure you've grown to love this place, but you've got to do what you've got to do sometimes, right? Yeah, well, I've been coming here for about 35 years uh, doing uh, landscape photography, of course, in Zion, Bryce, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And I remember what it was like 30, 35 years ago, and, I'm like, and I was saying, Oh my gosh, this is such a nice little place. I love this. I got to move here. And then all of a sudden it's like, ow, what happened? Yeah. Yeah, it got crazy, didn't it? Hey, I appreciate you calling oh, in yeah. today. Appreciate you calling in. Thank you. 934 on KDXU. Let's uh, do a check of weather, shall we? Punching holes in the liberal agenda. It's the Andy Griffin Show on News Radio 890, 92.5 KDXU. Southern Utah's news talk leader. I'm back. Been an interesting week. Had a real variety of guests on the program yesterday. The I call him the power czar. The Rick Hansen over there at Washington City talking about power. And truth is, uh, Washington City, you pay more if you're on Washington City power than you do on on the others. He said, "Yeah, that's, that's the way it was negotiated. That's uh, that's all we can do." So, uh, uh, oh, yeah, Buddy Holly winner. Uh, thank you, Bill. Bill was the winner of the tickets. Uh, got in uh, quickly with the, boy, I said, as soon as I said call, all four lines were lit. And Bill got his fingers in there quickly and got, got uh, line four lit up. Earlier this morning, I actually gave away a couple of tickets to uh, Gary Cooper as well. Not that Gary Cooper, but the one that called in. And uh, so, uh, and I actually have some more. Uh, they have to be used by next, not next Thursday, a week from Thursday. So I'll probably hang on to them, give some away on Monday and Tuesday as well. Uh, but uh, like I said, Buddy Holly started really good play out there at Tuacon. And uh, maybe the best thing about it, maybe not the best thing, but one of the great things about it, it's indoor air conditioned. And it's not out in the heat. 
So, although somebody somebody told me the other day, they went and saw one of the outdoor plays at Tuacon, and it wasn't bad. They said, nah, yeah, it was. I mean, it was warm, but it was not unbearably warm. And I've always contended here in southern Utah, once the sun goes down or, or the sun is blocked by clouds, uh, even though it's pretty warm, it's not bad. As long as you're not in that direct sunlight for very long, I, I think it's okay. Uh, I did want to mention the Love Like Joe golf tournament is cov- coming up. Remember Joe Boca. Uh, those of you that didn't know Joe, Joe was a longtime council member, but even when he wasn't on the council, he was a, I don't know, what's the word for a guy that gave service all the time to his community without thought for uh, getting anything for himself? I guess a, a commu- community-minded service person, uh, just just a guy that wanted to help out. And uh, anyway, Joe passed away. God, has it been two years? I think it's been at least a year anyway. Uh, but uh, over a year, because they had the golf tournament for him last year as well, raised $41,000 for charity. Nobody's making any money off of this ch- this tournament that's coming up. It's a, it's all for charity. Every single penny goes to, uh, once they pay the expenses, every single penny made over the top of that goes right to the uh, Joe Bookett Foundation and to, the, you know, the, to, to helping people, which is exactly what Joe would have done. Anyway, the Love Like Joe Golf Tournament is September 1st, not that far away. You got, you know, the rest of July and then August, and boom, there it is, September 1st. Uh, and they are looking for teams. I think they have, uh, they said they were going to use all 27 holes of the golf course they're using, and they're, gonna, they're going to uh, have uh, something like, I don't know, 32 teams or something like that. A lot of teams, maybe more than that. Uh, they have still 21 openings, I believe, uh, for teams. And uh, if you want to do something terrible and you like golf, or if you don't like golf and just want to donate, then I encourage you to call 674-1090. That's 435-674-1090, When you call that, it's actually going to be, I believe, the phone number for Guild Mortgage. Steve Stout is one of the uh, people that came on earlier today to talk about it. Uh, He said, just ask for Kristen. Uh, when you call, just ask for Kristen or just say something like, I want to get involved in the Love Like Joe golf tournament, and they'll direct you in the right direction. And uh, I think it's a charity we can all get behind. It's pretty cool. Another thing uh, that I wanted to bring up today, I've got several, but uh, the uh, suicide hotline, mental health hotline is what they're calling it, not suicide hotline, because uh, a lot of people don't like that word. But the mental health hotline comes online tomorrow. It's 988 you don't have to remember 1-800-273-TALK or any of the other numbers that are involved in, in helping people in crisis. All you have to do is dial 988 starting tomorrow. And I, they said July 16th. I was doing some reading on this. They still think it'll be ready tomorrow, but they said worst case scenario, it, because it's a weekend, they might have to wait till Monday, but they said they, they're pretty sure everything will be online and ready to go tomorrow. 988 is the new mental health or suicide hotline in the United States of America. I think it's, to me, it, it was a bill sponsored by Chris Stewart, but it was something that uh, I've been thinking about and talking about for a long time in my lifetime. As you know, I've had, a, sadly, suicide touch uh, portions of my life, and uh, I, I'm a big believer if we can just... Get people to talk a little bit. Get people to open up a little bit. Um, then, then it can it can prevent it can save someone's life. Now, Seth called earlier and was talking about sleep deprivation. And I was talking about how I didn't get much sleep last night because I was at the play and I loved being at the play. Don't get me wrong, uh, but I need more sleep. Uh, I had 
an in-law to an in-law. So it wasn't super close to me as far as a relative, but to somebody I know, and uh, they committed suicide. And uh, their biggest problem was, they, they and, you know, they had suffered with depression and other mental illnesses, but their biggest problem was they could not sleep. They went, I think it's two, three, four days without any sleep. And that, you know, that statement Seth made about how sometimes they'll torture prisoners by not letting them go to sleep. Uh, it's real. You you are messed up if you don't get sleep. If you don't get any sleep, you're really messed up. If you don't get enough sleep, you're not as sharp. You're, you're, all your react, everything's just a little bit slow. Keep that in mind. Uh, and again, remember, the new suicide hotline opens up tomorrow. The new mental health hotline is 988. That's all you have to do. Cell phone, landline, whatever you've got, just dial 988 starting tomorrow. We don't want to lose any of you. This is the Andy Griffin Show on News Radio 890, 92.5 KDXU. Stay tuned for Clay and Buck coming up next. Welcome back, 950 on KDXU. Thanks for tuning in today. Had to clear out a couple of commercials. Sorry about that longer break, but uh, we're back. Uh, there's a bad man out there. And by bad, I mean, you know, there was a song in the 80s, Huey Lewis, Sometimes Bad is Bad. Uh, because in the 80s, we didn't like to use the word bad as in cool or good, but uh, sometimes bad is just plain plain bad. Uh, there's a bad man out there. His name is Michael Asman, and uh, he shot his girlfriend to death in Heber City. This is just, what, what is that, 300 miles from here? And uh, they, do, they can't find him. They don't know where he is. He's supposedly driving a 2005 Chevy pickup, a white pickup with Utah license plate, uh, presumably on the run, maybe headed up or down the freeway. Uh, so keep an eye out for this guy. He is armed and dangerous. He's uh, not very tall. I think they had him at five, six, about 210 pounds. So kind of a husky, uh, not tall guy. Uh, and again, he's wanted for questioning in relation to the murder of his girlfriend. They're alleging that uh, they think he's the one that did it. And uh, they do warn the public, he is armed and dangerous. Do not approach him. If you see him, call the police immediately, call 911 or whatever, and, and say, hey, I'm pretty sure I saw this guy. We don't know where he's headed. He could have gone up to Idaho. He could have gone east, you know, to Colorado. He could have come south, you know, headed for Vegas or even just St. George. Uh, so uh, just just keep that in mind. It's not a good person. Uh, all right. Let's, uh, phone lines. Yeah, let's take a couple, couple of calls. Hey, thanks for calling in today. What's on your mind on this Friday morning? Morning, Andy. Morning. Hey, I think it's a good thing. Your suicide hotline is a quick number. Yeah. The bad part is suicide is a red flag. So is this going to go up on the government's watch list so they can come and kick your door in and take your gun? Oh, mm, I didn't think about that. Well, uh, paranoid guys have to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I hope I don't think that will happen. But, but gosh, you know, that's in today's day and age with the with the liberals and the, and the, the far left doing what they're doing in this world. Nothing surprises me anymore. Me neither. It's just a thought that came into mind. Thanks. Yeah. Have a good Friday. Thanks for the call today. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, suicide hotline 988 goes into effect tomorrow. And again, uh, the, the, tomorrow's the launch day and there's, a, there's about 95% sure it's going to be ready to go tomorrow. 
they did give themselves a little leeway, the government, in saying that uh, it is possible it'll be it'll be at it's going to work tomorrow. It may not be a hundred percent tomorrow, but uh, yeah, uh, I talked with Chris Stewart about it. And he's like, you know, the the reason it took so long to get it because it's been months in the making. Says we had to, we couldn't just put you know whoever on the phone. If someone calls in crisis, we couldn't just have you know Joe Blow on the phone saying, "Hey, don't do it." You know, that's the, so they they had to assemble a team of professionals and counselors and people that could help and help deal with situations. So, uh, all right, I got just a few minutes left. Um, I wanted to talk about if you guys are, are, will indulge me for a minute, uh, Mitt Romney. <laughs> now we, already some of you are going, Oh boy, here we go. Uh, Mitt Romney has not been, uh, a favorite on this program or on this station, but, uh, but he is our junior Senator from the state of Utah. And, uh, he does. Rep- he is a, an active member of the predominant religion here in Utah, and uh, he's a former presidential candidate. I guess I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt on some things, but Mitt Romney wrote a, a pretty good-sized piece in the Atlantic magazine recently, and he kind of gets on our cases. And and so I guess the the thing I, I wanted to do, and I'm like obviously there's not time to read the article, but the gist of it is America is in denial. We're we're being too hard on each other. Uh, that you know we need to be more accepting of other people's beliefs and other people's thoughts, and you know the Republican versus Democrat system is broken. And anyway. Uh, and they talk about it a little bit in in an article in the Deseret News. I thought was pretty interesting. Frank Frank Pignanelli and Lavar Webb, one's a, a liberal, one's a conservative, and they kind of go back and forth on this. But one of the things uh, that uh, Webb said, he said, it reminds me of Jimmy Carter's famous Malaise speech back in 1979. I don't remember this speech. I was only 13 years old, but maybe some of you do. Uh, apparently, in that speech, Jimmy Carter got on everybody's cases, said America's having a crisis of confidence and it strikes at the very heart and soul of our national will. And it's going to destroy the social and political fabric of America. Carter said Americans worship self-indulgence and consumption. This was in 1979. Uh, Mitt Romney wrote an article for The Atlantic, and it basically uh, talks about our national malady of denial, deceit, and distrust. Now, he he points fingers at both parties, both directions. He specifically calls out Donald Trump, surprise, surprise, and Joe Biden. Uh, and so, you know, Romney is basically getting all, he's saying, hey, you're using too much water, you're using too much energy, you're spending too much money on yourself. You're not willing to volunteer and help others. And uh, I just, I think, you know, Mitt Romney right now is 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 right borderline. If he were to run for a re-election today in the state of Utah, it would it would be very close. Depending on who his opponent was, obviously, but it would be very close. So he's he's not super popular, but he has a chance to still you know, get reelected, come back. But 
doing things like getting on the farm. One of the things he stated in the article was that uh, farmers need to be smarter about what they plant. They shouldn't be planting alfalfa because it sucks up a lot of water and we live in a desert. And I'm just thinking, you know, Mitt, you have made enough enemies on the conservative side of the aisle. Are you really going to go after farmers now? Is that a smart move? I don't think it is. I don't think it is. And as far as Americans not being willing to help out one another still, I had a friend. I don't know if you heard any of the previous program. It was uh, the guys at We Win Injury Law, and this isn't an ad for them. I just, I was, uh, the story was really compelling, and I'm really short on time, so I'm going to very quickly synopsize it. Basically, he's at the beach in Florida with his family, and they hear the, they, 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 have their back to the beach. They hear somebody yell shark or something, and there's a commotion. He's, he can't figure out what's going on, but he looks out in the water, and about 100 yards out, there's a, uh, a paddle board, one of those big, kind of a wide surfboard, basically, and there's two or three people hanging onto the paddle board, and he doesn't know what's going on, but he was compelled to go out and help, he and his wife. His wife decided she better stay with the kids, which is a very good decision. But he runs out into the water and starts headed toward them to, you know, knee deep and then waist deep and then shoulder deep, has to start swimming. His brother-in-law is right there with him. And uh, they look around and there's literally dozens of people swimming out to try to help these people. After, After the call, somebody had yelled shark. Now, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't be going out into the water if somebody had yelled shark. It turned out it wasn't a shark. A little boy, unfortunately, drowned, and they were trying to do CPR and get him revived. But no no shark. But I think it proves that Americans are still good people. 99% of us are still good people who are willing to help others.